0: Hello, I'm Pastor Zach Hoffman, and I'm the pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Gainesville, Georgia, where we seek to know Christ and love one another. We do this by witnessing faithfully, transforming our homes into places where the Word of God dwells, and by investing in the communities around us. We hope that you enjoy this podcast, and if you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning, our service times are at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. God's blessings. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Our sermon text today is from Titus chapter 2 verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all. Everybody has different things that they'd like to eat. So some of you may not like the food that's about to be put on your table tomorrow. And I want you to know that if you do not like turkey, there's a person you can blame. It's Charles Dickens. You see, his book, The Christmas Carol, actually popularized eating turkey for Christmas dinner. It was that moment in the book, if you remember, there's Ebenezer Scrooge who's had his heart turned from an old, cold, crusty miser into someone who is generous and warm and actually cares about the people in his life. And so, what does he do? On his way to visit Tiny Tim and family, he says to somebody on the street, go and fetch me the biggest turkey you can find. And so from that moment on, turkey has become this big thing for Christmas. And I've got even better news if you hate turkey. Because you've had your revenge, and you didn't even know it. You've had your revenge on Charles Dickens for some time because one year, Charles Dickens was, I guess, trying to live out the Christmas story in his own life. So he ordered a 30-pound turkey to be shipped to him by train. Unfortunately, that train caught fire and that turkey's goose was cooked. Yeah, makes sense. And the turkey never arrived to his house. And Charles Dickens, that, Dickens, that great wordsmith, that 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 poet in a way. I mean, he wasn't actually a poet, but you know, he was kind of a poet with his words. He wrote a note to the train company. And it was filled with eloquence, although it was brief and concise. It was also in all capital letters. (laughs) It said, where is my turkey? And a a couple exclamation points followed that. And I bring this up to you because I wonder if the message of Christmas isn't like that turkey. You know, that we've heard it so many times over and over again. If it's not just overcooked for you, if you're not hearing something that makes you as excited as you used to be. Maybe one day, maybe one day to come and hear the gospel and the story of Jesus Christ, had you so excited, you would embrace the message of the gospel like Buddy Elf would tackle a department store Santa. But also like Buddy the Elf. Maybe you found that Christmas here isn't all it's cracked up to be. We're used to things disappointing us. We know that things don't live up to their promise all the time. Those, these are my hallmark movie-watching Christmas socks that you got last year now have holes in them. And that Amazon Alexa has been unplugged for six months, even though it's still listening to you. Every word. And that, that kid... Your child or that grandchild or that niece or that nephew that just had to have that fidget spinner, that same thing is now lost somewhere deep inside of your couch. Where is it? It's gone. Things don't live up to their promise all the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're bringing that here tonight as well. We've lived through another year of it. Another year of political fallout and season finale flops. And while I haven't seen the movie myself, if you've been hoping that the new Star Wars movie would bring you any kind of a new hope, it's not that at all. Ten of you, I counted, got that one. (laughs) We're recording this. Go back. So it goes that another Christmas comes And we wanna know yet again, is it really for all people? Can it be for all people? Can it live up to that kind of grandiose promise in our lives that if it's for everybody, it's also really and truly for us? Well, for something to be really and truly for everybody, then I think a first place to start is to look at it and and examine the motive. It can't really be for everybody. It can't really be for everybody else if there's any grain of self-seeking motive in it. And and we're really sensitive to that. We we see it happen all the time. We see big corporations or even churches make a big hoopla about some kind of cause, but really what are they doing but trying to gain more publicity, more popularity, and, of course, a greater bottom line for themselves. Our noses are very sensitive to the seat, to the smell of the self-serving. So then let's take our noses and put them to the pages of Scripture. Scripture. let's look at the Christ who has come. What did Jesus gain by coming? What did Jesus gain by coming? He existed together with the Father and the Holy Spirit in eternity before anything was created, perfectly content to be one God and three persons and that and that relationship, that mysterious relationship that exists within one God, they needed nothing. Was coming down here some kind of divine grocery shopping trip because Earth, you know, has the best oranges. Or was it, I'm entertaining myself. Did he profit in any way, and does he need any kind of publicity or attention or even praise from us to be God? And the answer is no. And in his birth, he's laid in a manger near animals, and the next people that come to visit him are shepherds, lowly, poor, and neglected in society. And magi will come to visit him later, and yes, they will bring great and expensive gifts, gifts worthy of a king. But these magi, for as important as they might be, wherever they're coming from, are nobody in Israel. They're unknowns. And these are the kind of people that come to bring attention to the Lord. What did he gain by coming? Jesus has come to bring grace and salvation to you and it is free of any self-seeking motive or selfish desire. Another question we might ask if we're examining if something is really for everybody, if something is, is really for all is if the actions live up to the words. The actions live up to the words, then we know that we're dealing with something that is, that is real and can actually fulfill its promises, but do we find that in Jesus? The movie came out recently, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, and of course it's about the iconic Mr. Rogers and his longtime children's show, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. And I haven't seen the movie myself, but from what I understand of the plot is that there is a reporter who comes to interview Mr. Rogers, and he's cynical because he sees this nice, sweet man on TV and nobody is really that nice, nobody is really that sweet, and so he's coming to find out who the real Mr. Rogers is, but eventually I think he'll discover, and again, I don't know and I hope I'm not ruining anything for you, but eventually I think he'll discover that Mr. Rogers was indeed everything that he said he was. In fact, Tom Hanks was interviewed about playing Mr. Rogers, and what he mentioned was that it was refreshing to play a person who embodied the message the message that he wanted to teach children. He didn't really stop and preach. He just sort of did and lived what he wanted to communicate. And that's what we have in Christ. Someone who lived the words that he spoke. And he came to this world and he he breathed the same dank air that we do, and yet he was not made cynical or resentful by it. He could could talk about the difficulties of the religious elite and the lies that they spread and the problems with all the religious institutions and the church in that day, but yet he also called people to gather together to hear the word and receive his gifts. He could be incredibly honest about sin and point it out and call it exactly what it was, but he never stopped loving his disciples or the world. And yes, he did everything that he said he would do. He said that he would be handed over to men. He said that he would be crucified and he said that he would rise again in all of these things in that order he did. He handed himself over to be that perfect sacrifice for you. He doesn't just come as an infant, sweet child that we ooh and all at, but more than that, he is the Savior who came to go to the cross, just as was promised by the prophets who God the Father spoke through. And just as he himself said, his actions lived up to his words. And another question we could ask about whether or not this is really for everybody and whether it's a gift that truly lives up to the standard that it puts out about itself is does it actually change anyone? Does it actually change anyone? One of the most refreshing stories I've heard in a while is that a couple years ago, there were two teenage boys and they were brought into this group text on accident. You see, a, a baby was born and everybody in this family was being texted about the baby and, and how the baby was coming and then pictures came out with the baby who was just born and these teenage boys randomly got lumped into this. Maybe somebody entered in the wrong number or maybe it was just sort of some extraneous contact in somebody else's phone, but somehow someway these two teenage boys are now hearing everything that's happening within this family and seeing all the pictures and so they read that a baby is born and they type back um, I think you have the wrong person But congratulations anyway. And then next thing, you know, they're hearing or receiving messages about what room and what hospital the baby is in. And so they say, you know what? Uh, We don't know you, but we're going to come by and visit and bring gifts. And they show up. And they show up. And they bring gifts. They bring gifts to this stranger that, that they don't know. But, hey, a baby was born, so bring some gifts. And more refreshing still is that they come to every birthday party for this child. Every one. Paul is writing about a message that when it is believed and heard, it does change a person. It doesn't hit the chest and fall to the ground with a thud, but it pierces through the chest and goes to the heart. This gift, this unfathomable gift, a savior, a redeemer, who we do not deserve has been given to us for free. And by faith we receive his full salvation. And knowing that and believing that does indeed change a person. It brings them into a family that they were not a part of before. This message that has come to us now makes us a part of a people that we were not a part of before. And we come to the Christ child again and again and we bring him our best. Paul notes how the gospel changes people in Titus. In fact, just before verse 11, he kind of goes down and talks to every person from every different category and every age in life. And he says things like this, Men who are elderly and grandpas and grandfathers, be steadfast. Why? Because for all the change that you have seen in your life, this Jesus and his gospel has not changed. And that's a solid foundation for you to stand on from beginning to end. Women who are elders and and, and grandmothers and grandmas, you who have received this Christ child who have welcomed him into your hearts, now also share him with younger generations. Married couples, who now know of the Savior's birth and believe that he has come to do what he has said he would do, and does it. You love each other like Christ loves the church and like church loves the Savior. For those who are single, know then that there is a reason and a point to your obedience to God. And those of you who are young know that there is a purpose in this life because you have been called to be a part of His holy people, a holy priesthood. The gospel changes all who believe it, it does what it says it does. But about that turkey, you know, that turkey, about 10 minutes ago, that turkey, maybe 15. It turns out that Charles Dickens wasn't actually all that upset that he didn't receive the turkey. Because in the fire, the skin of that turkey was turned black, it was darkened, it was charred, but the meat actually was still good. And that turned out to be a blessing because there were some hungry people in the area where this train fire happened and they were the ones that got to enjoy it. You know, for all the ways that the gospel comes to us and all of its strangeness and and, and an infant child, a, a, a wafer and a cup of wine, a few sprinkles of water, it almost seems accidental. Some of you may have even overheard the gospel being preached to somebody else, and you believed it, and it became yours. The gospel comes in these strange, mysterious, and yet also ordinary ways. And now, it has come to you, so that you might know that his salvation is for all. Amen all the death that surrounds us in the world, for all the pains that never seem to go away, there is one thing we do not have to worry about, that just as surely as this boy is given to us, this is also true, that he will come again. Amen. Our Savior. And so we celebrate today, Christmas. And we'll celebrate again on the 25th, Christmas, Christ who has come for us to give us his many, many wonderful blessings and who leaves us satisfied and filled with joy. All right, so with that, you can return to your seats. I need a break. (laughs) That's a long way. We now worship God with our offerings. For you to the Father. If you know Jesus revealed, you also know his Father. And so he has walked before you, and now he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Draw near to Jesus revealed and his word, and you will rest in times of stress. And in times of frustration and in times of busyness you will live rested. Consider Christ who day after day got up and had crowds aggressively grabbing onto his garments just when he's trying to get across town so that they might have healing. Consider how he heard the words and thoughts and plans of the Pharisees continue and consider also how he looked at his disciples sometimes wondering if they would ever learn what he was trying to teach them and for all the stress that he carried, literally the burden of the world was on his shoulders. He drew near to his father and the word, and he lived rested. And now he gives that gift to you. He gives that gift to you. So come to him. Come to him and you will find, just like those who were waiting on the Messiah, found the shepherds. Who were lowly and the Magi who were far off and not even considered a part of God's plan came and they saw him and they were filled with hope and they worshiped him consider how the baby Christ was brought to the temple and those who were weary and elderly saw him and held him and just from his presence lifted up their heads and burst out into song and see how when we draw near to Christ when we hear his invitation We find not only rest, but restoration, a kind of rest that only he can give. As you leave, our bosses might still continue to pretend to be our bosses and still try to make the orders and give the demands and point out all the failures along the way. But we have a greater song to sing, a song that comes from the angels, a song we can sing in spite of of them, and in spite of even our own sin. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth. And with these words, we know that it's not just peace that Christ has come, but he also brings rest. Amen thorns that went all the way around his head. He bled from all the way around his head. When he was nailed to the cross, he had nails through both of his hands, the right and the left. When he was nailed to the cross, he had one nail that went through both feet, the right and the left. And after he had died, he had been pierced with a spear that went up all the way to his heart. And from there, blood and water flowed. And because of those things, we know, we know that there isn't one part of us A corner of our conscience that still feels dark and guilty. Or an area of our lives that we're ashamed to ask for help. There isn't one part of us that Jesus hasn't bled for. That his blood cannot reach because he himself is our perfect and final sacrifice. Who covers us head to toe with his forgiveness. And this Advent season as we stand back and think about Jesus coming in the flesh. We know. We know that when it comes to our salvation, there isn't anything he doesn't want to do. Amen.